Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Wow, that's a tricky passage for my first Sunday, right? (laughs) And Stewardship Dedication Sunday, no less, we get the end of times. It's not the first time you've heard it, I'm sure. There's wars and insurrections, earthquakes, persecutions, famine, plagues, the real zinger, betrayal, and even death at the hands of friends and family. Couldn't I have gotten a nice healing story for my first time in this pulpit? The Beatitudes would have been nice. I would even take one of those puzzling parables that would have been more appealing than this mini apocalypse. But the Spirit moves. And when we look at these verses in context, we actually find that there is an important and an encouraging, believe it or not, (laughs) word for us this very day. When we put these verses in context, we see that this text has Jesus teaching in the temple courts in the early days of the last week of his life. These are the words that he offers to the crowd gathered around him on the week that he is taken outside of the city of Jerusalem and crucified. This is one of his last speeches to the people who have come to hear what it is he has to say. So he's already entered Jerusalem on the Sunday where they're shouting Hosanna and they're waving palms. And soon he'll move with his close group of disciples through the dark streets of Jerusalem to that upper room for that last supper. But now, now we hear other words. It's a very important time in this quite momentous, to say the least, week. And while we spend a lot of time on his Last Supper words, every time we celebrate communion, we hear what he said with his disciples at that Last Supper. Now, we are invited by the wild ways of the lectionary to consider what it is he has to say in one of these last lectures in one of these last speeches. So I'll read again just the opening and hear again these words from Scripture, knowing this is the context and what Jesus chooses to say. So Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and proclaiming the good news. And when some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said to them, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Now that temple that the crowd was admiring and that Jesus was predicting the destruction of, that temple was Herod's temple and it was magnificent. We see a glimpse of it on the front of the order of service today. 
It was an architectural wonder, a masterpiece. And it was begun by King Herod in 18 BCE, so before Jesus' time. And while the main footprint apparently was completed in just 18 months, so there must have been no supply chain disruption, the work on the outer courts and all the decorations, that continued throughout Jesus' lifetime and actually into the reigns of several kings that we call Herod. But by its completion, that construction saw the Temple Mount doubled in size with large colonnades and porches decorated in the finest materials. And this is the place where we find Jesus today. And it was impressive. So of course, these people who had gathered from far and wide to hear a little bit from this Messiah, uh, of course, these crowds take a moment to spend some time admiring this view. But scripture tells us that almost as soon as the words are out of their mouths, how beautiful, how beautiful this space is. Jesus delivers this news, that it will not stand. This incredible, formidable, meaningful building that so much has gone into, that it will be completely destroyed. Now, Herod's temple wasn't just a pretty place for the priests to be. It was the center of commerce, religious life. It was a place for healing and teaching, too. And Jesus says that that temple will come down. To quote, in red letters, not one stone will be left on stone. All will be thrown down. So, of course, the lines that come next are people's questions. Why? How? When? When we put this text even more in its context, we can see that the stories about this great building, the temple, were just starting. If we back up just four verses to the start of this chapter, you'll hear a story that's actually going to sound really familiar to you and might even be a great passage for Dedication Sunday. But it gives us more information about what it is that Jesus chooses to say when he just has one week left to live. It's a familiar story, and here it is now. Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and proclaiming the good news, and Jesus looked up. And he saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. You know that story, right? But did you know it happened right here? So the next line is, and when some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and these gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said to them, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another, when all will be thrown down. No wonder these people had questions. I think personally they were a little easygoing on Jesus. Of course they say why, of course they say when, but why didn't they say, 
Why didn't you tell that widow woman who you said was just putting in her whole life's worth that this was not a sound investment? That this structure was going to collapse? That she was giving to a doomed cause all she had to live on? Why didn't you speak up to the people who were rich? That maybe there was something more they could do with their money. Redirect that capital to a more secure project or an impactful investment. They say, why, Jesus? They say, when? It's actually in response to their questions after this prediction that the temple will fall that Jesus offers those more disturbing parts of the text that I read today. It's after he tells about the fall of the temple that he turns to the end of things. Jesus hints of the wars, the insurrections, the betrayals, the disasters to come. It's a familiar genre in the Bible, the apocalypse, right? There are whole chapters that are dedicated to this type of writing. Here it's a mini episode. And if you know something about the apocalyptic genre, it's this. All those signs and symbols, all the hard things to come, are actually meant to comfort people who are seeing and experiencing something hard. It's not meant to disturb them. It's meant as a comfort. The stark description tries to convey this message, this good news that despite appearances to the contrary, God is in charge of the world. So after Jesus lets loose this news that the temple will fall, and we know that on this week, the disciples will learn that their Messiah will die, it's after this big news that God reminds them that God is with them, that their worship, their discipleship is worthy. The last lines of this passage are, by your endurance, by your endurance, you will gain your souls. But all the rest of it, the temple, your friends, your family, your nation, your security, all the rest of it, not a stone will be left on stone. No wonder they had questions. What interesting last words. There's a popular series um, called Theo Ed Talks in which speakers in the church and the academy are invited to give the talk of their lives in 20 minutes or less. If you haven't heard of these before, I encourage you to go to theoed.com. There's a long list of really wonderful speakers who offer these last lecture ideas. And certainly, that is a big assignment. To give the talk of your life cannot be an easy thing to do. It's their most important stories, right? It's the thing that they want to convey, their most moving ideas. It's more or less the last lecture they would say they would give if, say, they were entering Jerusalem for the last time. And one of my favorite talks 
I go back to it time and time again. The podcast is on repeat. One of my favorite talks is, is by a professor who lives not far from us. He's at Emory Candler School of Theology named Ted Smith. He's a Presbyterian. Maybe you have met him in our Presbyterian world. And his talk is called Reckless Love, Living for Things That Die. He describes his life growing up as a Midwesterner adolescent, trying to do the right thing with his blue blazer and his personal motto, which is his guiding principle, and is this. Give all of yourself to something greater than yourself. Give all of yourself to something greater than yourself. And in the talk, he begins to unpack this philosophy. And he says that he and that we, we want to give all of ourselves to causes or institutions. Even this is how we approach our families, our children. We want to give all of ourselves to things that are greater than ourselves because we have this idea that the greater thing will give back to us. But also, importantly, we have this idea that these things will help us live on, that they will offer us a taste of immortality even after we die. Give all of ourselves to something greater than ourselves. And no doubt, no doubt, the people who are appreciating the temple and were contributing to it and admiring it felt that way too. They were investing in this strong, religious, political, social institution. The temple in Jerusalem was the center of commerce and faith, of teaching and healing. Give me that capital campaign any day. But then Jesus goes and says, it will all pass away. This temple will fall. And that is not going to look good on the brochure. Well, we know Jesus is right. The temple does fall. And it's not the first time. But this temple, Herod's temple, Romans invade Jerusalem. And it's just 10 years after the finishing touches have been put on the building and the project is complete. And the armies do <laughs> surround the city. And war is on the horizon. And they take the temple down piece by piece. And in fact, one of the things that stuck in my mind is that the reason we know about the lavish furnishings in the temple is because they were paraded around on wagons in the triumphal procession back home in Rome as the plunders of war. So in Jesus' last speech, he says, the temple will fall, and we know it does. And many interpreters and John's gospel makes explicit that this temple Jesus talks about is his body too, right? This is his last week alive. He is headed toward the cross. This is his last time in this form, in this way with his disciples. So we know that. We know the temple falls we know that Jesus does too. 
we know that people we love die. We know that we worship a God who has a century-long tradition of letting nations fall, of letting temples be destroyed, of letting loved ones pass, of letting churches die, of letting even the Son of God, Jesus the Messiah, be crucified. So, of course, we ask why. But Ted Smith, in his talk, he begins to give us a sense of the answer. He unpacks what it is that God is doing with us here, what it is that Jesus is doing when in one of his last lectures, he turns to the people admiring the beauty and wonder of the temple to the destruction that will come. He says this, when we love mortal things, we love like God loves, right? He calls it reckless love. And it's using the OED, the old English dictionary definition of the word reckless. Reckless love is love without wreck. It is without reckoning, without calculating the costs of benefits. It's without investing with concern about the return. Don't we know that God's love for us must be reckless? And when we love mortal things, we love like God loves. It frees us up. It sets us free, this love without reckoning, so that we aren't trying to extend our lives and achieve immortality or get a certain goal. Instead, we love. And it has meaning, not in that it lasts forever, but the meaning is that we are joining. We are joining with the work and will of God in the world. And with that, we experience a sense of the infinite, a sense of the eternal, the love of God has for us. Ted Smith has two young children, and he talks about reckless love in this way, comparing it to his early adolescent days when he was giving all of himself to something greater than himself so that he could live on. He says this, with reckless love, we are trying, hoping that we will not project ourselves through our children. Instead, we just love these kids right, as the beautiful mixed bags of mortality that they are, that we are. In reckless love, we can love people who will betray us. In reckless love, we love people who will die. Love of God is reckless love. When we love mortal things, we love like God loves. And now I know I'm sounding a little apocalyptic too. But may it be a comfort. May it be a comfort. The meaning and the dignity of our love does not depend on what we are investing in, lasting beyond our lifetime. 
the meaning and dignity arrives when we are aligned with the will and the work of God in this world. When we are blessed to know the infinite love of God for us in Christ Jesus. Doing a little study on this passage, I found a story that I'll end with today. It's a story about Martin Luther, one of our great reformers in the faith. The only other story I know about him really is, you know, nailing the theses on the door. So this is another good one to add to your collection. This is a story where someone asks Martin Luther, what would he do if he knew the temple would fall? tomorrow. What would he do if he knew it was the end of days? What would you do if the world was coming to end? Would you give up? Would you walk away? Would you double down? And this is what he has to say. He says, if tomorrow is the day of judgment, then today I will work away. Today, I will plant. If tomorrow is the day of judgment, then today I want to plant. May it be so that we live of those, as those who are invited to love without reckoning for each other in our lives and for the world. And to God be the glory time without end. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.